Hello. Welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host and producer of the show, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. Hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening. Technical difficulties and the paranormal go together like shortcake and strawberries. The image of the TV screen gone to snow, lights flickering, machines having a mind of their own, they're tropes of horror films like Poltergeist and many others. Maybe the reason why things like this tend to frighten us so much is because most of us have had some experience that these films remind us of. Who hasn't had an experience of the lights turning off right when they stub their toe or the computer malfunctioning when you're feeling angry? The sort of thing that causes you to curse all the wiring. Or there was the one time shocking to myself and my then-girlfriend when I snapped my fingers and at the same moment the lights burst out above us. In this episode, you'll hear stories about little malfunctions in the wiring that you might write off if it wasn't so oddly coincidental and hard to explain. Since I started asking people to submit their true stories to me, I've had a couple submissions that I haven't been able to share with you because there are confidentiality issues. People wanted to share true stories that they hadn't gone off their chest, but which they knew could land them all sorts of negative attention and trouble, and they asked me if I could retell them. Now, I don't really feel like my retelling can come at all close to hearing the original voice. Some stories, though, are too good for me not to tell. So this next story was sent to me from a listener who said I could tell it as long as I changed his name. So I'll call him Ralph. Ralph's husband of many years, I'll just call him Paul, passed away some years back, and he grieved for the loss. In the will it had stated Paul wanted to be buried with his jewelry and everything had been done according to his wishes. But Ralph couldn't help but feeling a loss that he didn't have Paul's wedding ring to remember him by because he had such sentimental value attached to it. He couldn't get the thought out of his mind, and so, after thinking long and hard, he made the decision to hire grave robbers. I'll stress that this is all a true story. The grave robbers did the deed, they dug up the grave, they exhumed the body, and they removed the wedding ring from his finger. In exchange, they would be paid for their troubles. They put the grave back, they went to their car to leave. But the car wouldn't start. The battery is not working. No signal. As you can imagine, being in a graveyard late at night, having only recently disturbed a corpse, they started to get agitated, and this built into fear. They were stuck there. They were going to get caught. Or worse, who knew what would happen to them that night. They talk back and forth, trying to calm each other down. This is only a malfunction. There's no way we can believe this is supernatural. After what must have seemed like forever, but was probably less than an hour, a miracle. The car lights in the car turn on. Trying again, the car engine starts. No hesitation, no words, they speed off into the night. When they got to Ralph to deliver him Paul's ring, they told him what had happened, and that now that they had thought about it, they couldn't keep doing any further grave robbing. The moment stuck in the graveyard, contemplating their surprise situation, had changed their lives. This next storyteller, Allie, wasn't up to anything sinister when her car malfunctioned, 
It was just one of those random weird occurrences. She spoke to me over the phone from Mississauga. Started as a slow hum. It's almost the same sort of sound that you would hear when there's the bee right next to your ear, you know, when, when we have those picnics and we just can't seem to brush it off. That sort of fading and swelling sound, fading and swelling, fading and swelling, and then the lights went out. The sound itself stabilized. It was just a long buzz. I thought maybe coming from the generators. Even the lights on my car were not working, which was extremely strange. And it's only after the lights went back on that everything seemed normal. When I got into my car, I turned on the actual car and the lights were perfectly fine. So I tested to see if it was like maybe my remote control, but it didn't seem to be my remote control. Like the lights were perfectly okay. So wait, you were going, you were going towards your car and you had... Yeah. You had unlocked the car so the lights were turned on already? I had unlocked the car okay. when the lights in the garage went out. And the lights on your car went out too at the same time? Yep. So when you unlock your car, yep. does it relock after a short while? Like mine does. Uh, I, I lock no. it. No, it doesn't, hey? No, it doesn't. When you unlock it, do the lights stay on or do they eventually turn off? No, the lights stay on. They stay on for a good, like, minute. They don't fade out until, uh, until, like, maybe... So this was all in a really short period of time. You had just, like... It was all within a couple of seconds. The weirdest thing was the fact that the lights in the car were not turning on. What happens is that when the car unlocks, the lights turn on. But this time it didn't happen. We've had power outages before, and usually the way I found my way around is like, okay, I know that I'm close to my car, I'll just unlock it. And even if I press the walk button on it, the lights flicker. But in this case, nothing flickered, nothing turned on at all. All that happened was that the car doors unlocked. And then maybe like 10 seconds later, as I was walking back towards where I came from, thinking like, okay, maybe I can try and use the fob, the lights went back on, and when I went back to the car, like, everything was perfectly fine. I checked the remote control, the lights came on as they were supposed to, the car locked and unlocked as it was supposed to. It was just, like, a weird circumstance. Interestingly enough, all day, the minute you enter the building, there is some sort of a signal interference. But our Wi-Fi has been very strange. My dad's cell phone signal was out most of the day. My mom's cell phone signal, like when we were trying to reach her, she wasn't able to reach us. Dad has been trying to keep in contact with his contractors all day, to no avail. And um, even my little sister, like our signals are fine when we are outside of the building, but not within the building. It's like everything is affected. I don't know what's going on tonight, but everything's affected. The car thing is for sure weird. Like something felt very wrong. I wouldn't know what to attribute it to. We've had a couple of deaths in the last two years within the building. People that I knew, they died from natural causes. So I don't think that that could have anything to do with that. 
I can't even say that it's supernatural in any way. Just that that sound itself was a bit nauseating, actually. It was coming from deep within the garage, so I assumed that it might have been from the generators. If I'm going to analyze the feeling that I had, like you're at a standstill, there's a point where with my remote control and there not being a response to it, that feeling was followed by a very heavy drop, almost like dread. It was a sensation that fell to the bottom of my stomach. Wasn't that second almost like being in a dream? Like that space between being in a dream and waking up. So that was just a couple of seconds before the lights came on. You know, you don't want to be stuck in the dark, not really being able to understand the situation around you and realizing that by all logic, the response that should be expected is not happening. Because I wasn't even able to see my hands in front of me because I didn't even think about putting in emergency lights. It was so incredibly dark. It was as if I had my eyes closed, but I had them open. Hold on one second. My mom's calling. Hold on. Technical difficulties. Hello? Yeah, and I heard the beat of my heart in my ears. Felt like reality slowed down in that second. First spoke to John Moore back in episode 5, Haunted Schools and Auditoriums. His group, the Liz Towell Paranormal Society, had been investigating a haunted location, Mackenzie Hall in Windsor, Ontario, but I had heard about them because a tiny device they left behind triggered a scare where the bomb squad were called in. It was all over the news, and it brought to light the work of the Liz Towell Paranormal Society. They take serious the task of investigating locations for any kind of observable effects. He also has studied the paranormal extensively outside of haunted places, as you'll hear next when we speak over the phone from Ottawa. Well, you did have a public investigation. We had about 30 people out two weeks ago. The location we filmed our first television episode at, and we've investigated a few times called McDonald Williamson House. And while we were there, all of our radios started going really wonky, which is odd because they were all fully charged and working fine the night before. So we left them to charge again for the night so we would be ready to go, but for some reason, they kept dying on us at random periods. Along with that, usually shortly after they would die out, we had uh, reports of people feeling touched. Doors on cabinets being opened, which were latched, so that's even weirder. People getting uh, smells like perfume and stuff in the basement, which is very musty, and they shouldn't have had that smell down there. So what's the history of this house? It's a historic house. Like It was one of the oldest places in Canada. It used to be the uh, main trading ground for basically everyone going between Montreal and Ottawa by the Ottawa River. It was originally owned by one family, the McDonnells, and then uh, they lived there for hundreds of years. There was a little girl who died in the building from consumption. They've had all kinds of activities, sort of like... uh, you know, lady in white, servants, things like that have been seen around the place. Just mostly residual from the sounds of it, but some of it does appear to have an intelligence to it. So just to clarify for some of the listeners, residual, that term can describe a presence or a spirit where you can see it or hear it or even feel it sometimes, 
but it's a bit more vague. It's not a person giving you a direct message speaking to you. It can be a light or an apparition that can move with purpose, but it's not like the kind of angry confrontational ghost. It's probably about the last 50, 60 years it's that uh, pretty well vacant and abandoned until recently a group just that's been labeled a national heritage site now they're uh, restoring to restore it so it's constantly in renovation so that seems to be kicking up a lot as well yeah it's disturbing whatever's in there and you've got more people in there at odd hours i'm guessing yeah like they did a lot of work this summer and they've got more coming up that's part of what we were doing to help them raise some money for it so plus the more more restoration they're doing the more active it gets for us the original tombstones for the gentleman that owned the house is on the property. It's not where he's laid to rest, but they replaced his tombstone a few years back, and the original was moved to the property. So we don't know if that's had an effect or not. So your radios have been malfunctioning. In the last while, I've been having a lot of Wi-Fi malfunctioning, which is, again, it's a radio technology. All of a sudden, it'll just be fine, and I won't have any problems again for a year. There's been a lot of solar activity lately. A lot of the time, that'll kick up Wi-Fi communication errors. That happens all the time. First thing I checked. So when I was having it really bad one day, I logged on, and I checked what the solar activity was, if there was any flares happening. And there wasn't anything that day, although maybe I need to check back and check more of the records, because maybe later that day... I was doing a survey on it for a while. I followed it for two or three years watching that, and I found with solar flares, even if there wasn't one detected, it could mess with communications for two or three days prior and after. See, that's what I'm wondering is because once the solar flare has been detected, that's peaked, but something else internally in the sun or in the field of the sun was happening in the lead-up to that. So maybe I could start tracking times when there's radio or Wi-Fi malfunction, and then look, if there is within a 48-hour or something window of that, whether there's an increased occurrence of these solar flares. Yeah, that was one thing we found. Like, uh, like I did a two-year study on it myself. We, uh, I had a tech guy I work with out of the UK create an app for me where I was able to monitor the solar activity as well as lunar cycle to see what would happen. And we always found that within a day or two of different flares, you were getting it. Some of the sites you would look at, they wouldn't show you those flares. They would only show you the major ones. They wouldn't show you all the mundane little stuff. I do know this month it has been rather active with the uh, the solar activity. So Okay, good, because I've been at my wit's end every time that I'm trying to upload a file, the Wi-Fi goes out and it fails. I literally am knocking on wood every time I click upload. <laughs> Seems like that's the way it's been the last few months, though, so... Yeah, the retrogrades usually won't have anything to do with that. I mean, they're not they're not going to cause any sort of electromagnetic interference or anything. So probably about as much as like the full moon, although the moon does have an effect on us, but because it's so close. But anything else, not really. It's a little too far out to actually register. One time we were investigating a location called Witch Hollow. While we were there, we asked for them to give us a sign that they were there. And during that uh, time, I lost power on my my EVP recorder went first, then my camera went, and it was really weird because as it did, we heard this bang on the side of the building. It sounded like a bird had flown into it or something hit the side of the building. The funny part about this, this is the fact that the building has a giant fence around it because it's out in the middle of Lanark County, so it's out in the woods, and they put a fence up to keep the, uh, the coyotes, coyotes and stuff away from the smaller pets. So there's no way for like a 
squirrel, like, well, squirrels could, but I mean, if this was bigger than a squirrel, would have done this. There's no way for animals to get there. And when we looked outside, we had about a foot of fresh snow, and yet there was no bird, nothing, no indication that anything had hit that wall where we had just heard a, something literally slam into it. And we went downstairs, asked the rest of the crew, none of them had heard it. They were right below us. So that was weird. And when I turned my when I turned the equipment back on, it showed a full charge. So I don't know why it went dead on me upstairs. Don't we don't generally have too much electronics out with us on cases, just because we like to try to keep the area with as little uh, electrical interference as possible. Okay. What about with photos? Have you ever had anything appear on the camera that you couldn't really explain, like an added image or something like that? I mean, video and photo evidence is incredibly rare, right? Yeah, no, I'm finding that out. People are sending me things quite regularly, and it's just like, yeah, I look at it. Okay, cool. <laughs> You'll get used to it, believe me. <laughs> it happens on a regular, I get it on a daily basis. <laughs> I mean, in 20 years, I've only ever seen one video, piece of video evidence that I captured that I couldn't explain, so... And I've sent it out to actual videographers, professional videographers, people that I've worked with. Yeah. And they, they can't even explain this. And they've worked around cameras and things their whole lives. They can't figure out what caused it. It looks literally like, a, like something in white coming out of a closet and just going on the side of the camera. Like, you see movement. It looks like literally somebody wearing like a white lace dress comes and moves just on the side of the camera. We don't get the whole thing. We just get part of it. To us, we couldn't figure it out because we've got another camera angle where you see all of us standing still motionless. And it was only caught on the full spectrum. That's the only camera that picked it up. Oh, that's the one that's looking for like UV? Yeah, lights. it goes through UV, IR, all the spectrums. It, it picked it up, but no other piece of equipment we had saw anything. If you have a story you'd like to share on a future episode, then get in touch. Go to www.supernaturalstories.ca and it redirects you to the Facebook where you can send a message and also click like to follow and get updates. I hugely appreciate if you tell your friends about the show. Right now, there are about 4,300 people who are following the page. That means their friends are also hearing about the show, seeing posts, and can submit their stories. And then I'll keep putting them out for you. One topic... I'm particularly interested by is doppelgangers. Not just the ones who look a lot like you, the ones who look exactly the same as someone, dressed the same, the genuinely unexplained cases. One guest, Bernard, spoke about doppelgangers back in episode 11, and I've had other stories submitted, so I'm looking to make a whole episode on them. I was speaking to Tamara about her doppelganger experience, and I ended up telling her about another of my technical difficulty experiences. Do you have any stories at all about electronic things doing weird things? No, I don't. I wish I did. But no, don't wish you did. It's the it's the <laughs> nuisance of my I life. I do wish I did because that, that kind of stuff is so cool. So my whole life, I've had problems with electronics. Really? Oh, yeah. No, like lights not working, fridges breaking, computers not working, Wi-Fi not working, speakers not working. And then I actually met someone who was a astrologer. And she looked at my chart, and she asked me if I had problems with electronics. Oh my gosh, that's so strange. Yeah, I said, yeah, I do. It's been a long-standing problem. It's been a constant frustration of mine. I'm the kind of person who I don't trust anything electronic at all. Electricity is a problem, and she said, don't buy anything electrical at all for the next month. 
I think Mercury was retrograde in the sign I'm on the cusp of, and there was something with Saturn and Venus as well, so she was very adamant. It's not going to work. And I didn't listen to her advice. I went and bought some speakers, took them home, and the speakers didn't work. So I returned them, oh, to, this, returned them to Steve's music, got a, another pair of speakers. Second pair of replacement speakers also didn't work. So I took them back to the store, and the guy who was there told me that in more than 20 years working there, he's never had two lemons from a batch of speakers or anything. Oh, that's so he, strange. He said it was really, really weird that that had happened. He you tried. must just drain them or something. And so after that period of time passed, like after that month, I got another set of speakers, which I still have to this day. They're great. I spoke with her again and she said, I told you so. Oh my gosh, that's so strange. Well, I'm glad that I don't have that problem. I would get really frustrated. As you can imagine, making a podcast, technical difficulties come up all the time, especially when cellular signals become involved. Even landline phones, though, have their quirks. I spend dozens of hours editing so I can make sure I'm the only one who has to hear the pops and crackles of the phone signal or the times the guest gets disconnected. More often than not, when the phone line goes dead, I'll muse to myself a little bit with the tape rolling and then edit it out afterwards. Here's an outtake to end the show with. It's another of my stories about quirks with sound editing. I'm going to be pursuing this topic of quote-unquote technical difficulties more in future. I've got stories that have been submitted which I'm waiting to record. Again, www.supernaturalstories.ca is where you can get in touch to send a story. If you'd like to support the show with a donation to help my cost of bringing you the podcast, have a visit to www.patreon.com slash supernatural stories. I was speaking with Sonia, whose story was included in the last show, episode 18, I saw, I felt, I heard, when our phone signal died. Sonia? Sonia? Well, it seems I've lost you. Let me call back. Telephones. Well, this technical interruption has been brought to you by the poltergeist that is currently messing with Rocking Chair Studios. Now seems like as good a time as any to mention that when I first started making the podcast Supernatural Stories, I was worried that there might be technical issues with the show. A couple people warned me, you know, you're making a show about poltergeists and spirits and things. What makes you think that it won't attract some kind of spirit energy there and maybe they'll mess with uh, the recording of the show? And the thing is, there's kind of a weird precedent for this. I used to have this band, Good Bomb Co., and we would rehearse at the studio. And every single time we rehearsed, we would have some kind of a bizarre technical issue. Now, I've got the same computer and audio interfaces I've had for years. And they work great, and it's never a problem. But whenever I was with that band, we would have these bizarre, weird technical problems that would happen. And one example would be the recording software would just go into a loop, go into a loop, go into a loop, go into a loop, go into a loop. You guess what I mean? It would just keep repeating the same thing. And then sometimes, because of the way the speaker set up, we'd get weird screeching noises and stuff. But also just other things that made no sense, like um, every aspect, 
the internet would stop working, the hard drive would stop working properly, the mouse would stop working, have to keep resetting the computer, the recordings would have weird noises in them. One time when I was on stage with the band, I had my vocals going through this effect box on the ground. I've still got it. It's this little purple Digitech thing. And it had an octave down effect to make your voice go real low. And I was singing the song The Whole World by Outkast. And I got to the part in the song where it goes, player, I ground, my focus is crime, etc., etc. And it had gone down an octave, so it sounded like, Player, I grind, my focus is crime, raw with the slime, I'm sick with the slime, my words are diamonds dug out of mine, spit them, polish, look how they shine. As soon as I got to the chorus, it jumped back up to the regular, and the whole world loves it when you don't get down, da do da 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 And the timing of it was perfect so that everyone in the audience thought I'd done a thing and that I had intentionally triggered the effect to give this new effect like there were multiple people singing like there are on the original song. And I hadn't. It had just happened randomly on its own, kind of spooky, and it had just switched right back at just the perfect time. And that show, that wasn't the only weird technical thing that happened. There were all sorts of bizarre soundboard issues and microphone and speaker issues that normally didn't happen at that venue. So we ended up playing without the monitors. Another show we had at Cameron House in Toronto, it's a great venue. We actually went through about 30 different microphone cables in the venue, none of them working until we found ones that worked. It was really strange. The guy who did the sound was spooked out. He said it didn't make any sense. It took us over an hour to set up when normally it would be a couple minutes because nothing was working. And it was like we were cursed and I'm sure they didn't have a problem the next night. So I wonder whether my drummer was cursed. Dun, dun, dun. All right, I'm going to try and call back Sonia back to the regular program. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Supernatural Stories. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to episode 18, where Sonia shares her true story about the haunted Belmont House in New Brunswick. In it, she went to visit the local procurer of, quote, herbal remedies, unquote, listened to the story while enjoying the first day of Canada's cannabis legalization. Cheers. Which reminds me, this show is not afraid of taboos. And I'd love it if anyone has a strange, unexplained story that happened while on psychedelics. Anecdotally, psychedelics are linked to the telepathic and psychic phenomena of all kinds, and I've been wanting to explore potential stories. Get in touch at www.supernaturalstories.ca, and if you'd like to have some candy to go with your 420 festivities, bonus gourmet Canadian squishy gummy candies are now one of the treats I'm sending to people who contribute to the Patreon page at www.patreon.com supernaturalstories. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It helps me to not go broke making this show. And who knows, if I get some donations backing me, I might be able to move it to an every week podcast. These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. Music featured in this show was by Mail the Horse with Backlash, Elux with Polarity, The Alternative with Incertitude Prolonged, CD Bouquet Joins Ensemble featuring William Safia with Minor Man, Lob with the songs Ping and a Fine Cuba Cigar, Rousha that's spelled R-O-Z-S-A with Amari Sui Amari. 
The rest were tracks composed by myself, Cal Goodball. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting a place for the supernatural. Please leave a review if you like the show. I appreciate it. Get in touch with your true story at www.supernaturalstories.ca. Till next time. <laughs>